This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. I'm going to have you open to the book of Matthew 16. We're going to go to Matthew 16, and then since we're in Matthew, we'll go to Matthew 3. Matthew chapter 16. Now, once we get reading this passage here, woo, you're, you're going to see a verse tonight that, oh my gosh, it is, a, it is a keeper. Matthew 16, verse 13. Now, when Jesus had come to the region of Caesarea Philippi, which is far northern Israel, right there at the base of Mount Hermon, um, they're almost the border of Syria. I got to go there last year. I was at this place right here. And it, it lit up to me when I saw it, so that's why I'm highlighting that. He asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? But who do you say that I am? He gets very personal with them. But who do you say that I am? Now, let me ask you that question. Who, who do you say Jesus is tonight? And so we ask him this question. And then Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, Peter confessed Jesus here as both the promised Messiah, but also as divine. He said, You're the Christ. You're the Son of God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Now the Lord Jesus, immediately when Peter declares him as the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God, Jesus looks at him and says, Blessed. Blessed. In other words, when you make that statement of faith and you believe Jesus is Lord of your life, you're blessed. You come under a blessing for nothing that you did except you received Jesus as Lord of your life. So you come in the family of God and he said, blessed. Now, how did you receive Jesus? By faith. How do you walk in those blessings? By faith. Now, this is, this is the nugget. I'm reading the, the passage right now. Not the passage, the Passion Translation. Just a little bit off there. And I get in this chapter a few, few days ago. And this verse right here where the Lord Jesus says you're blessed. The passage says you're favored and privileged. Well, I looked at that and I said, man, Lord, I, I welcome that. I, I welcome your favor, and I, I am a privileged soul. Now, if you don't like that thought, I'm, I'm going to take that, okay? I'll take that, that favor and that privilege that he wants to bless you with. But I want you to understand, when he said, blessed are you, man, I, I'm blessed. I'm a child of God. And so everything that Jesus died for, everything that Jesus bled for, every part of his broken body, I'm a, I'm a, a partaker of that inheritance. 
just because he's Lord of my life. And so right there he says, you're blessed. You're favored. You're privileged. And you say, oh, I, I don't know that I could, I could pray for that. I don't. You can. You're a child of God. Jesus died for every bit of that. Turn with me to Matthew 3. There's a couple of you're excited. I guess that verse was a lot more valuable to me. Because, man, I mean, I highlighted that. I've, I've been speaking that. I thank you, Lord. I'm favored. I'm privileged because of you, Lord Jesus. When you get born again, you, you come under some incredible blessings. You become justified. You know what justified is? Justified never sin. That's deep. Justified. Uh, that's, that's 2 Corinthians 5.21. I am the righteousness of God through Christ. I'm justified. I become righteous not because of me. But because of Jesus, I become qualified by Jesus. I become sanctified, which means I've been separated. I've been declared holy. So when you get born again, Jesus said, he's sanctified. Well, Pastor, I don't feel sanctified. Well, you don't go by your feelings. You go by faith. There's some days you're going to get up and you're probably not going to feel like you're saved. But the Bible says you are. And then I'm consecrated, I'm purified. And then when I give my heart to Jesus and I'm blessed, I'm privileged, I'm favored. Psalms 107 says, let the redeemed of the Lord. I'm redeemed. When you look at your redemptive package, that means you were repurchased, you were bought. And it literally takes us to Galatians 3.13 says that you've been redeemed from poverty, sickness, and death or eternal damnation. So let me help you with that. If I'm redeemed, I walk in divine life, divine health, Divine blessings. Oh, Pastor, I don't know. And you got to let the word of God soak you what Jesus did. And so in being the kingdom of God, man, you become a, a great receiver. I welcome that, Lord. Woo, I'm justified. I'm sanctified. I'm consecrated. I'm the redeemed of the Lord, and I say so. Go, go, go to Matthew 3, or we may just stay there the rest of the night. Matthew 3. Now, what's fixing to take place is you're going to hear a couple words. And we'll ultimately wake, make our way back to the book of Ruth. But you're going to hear a couple words. One is the word winnowing. W-I-N-N-O-W-I-N-G. And then the word threshing. So what this was meaning was with the winnowing or the threshing, it was how they would... Uh, Take, take the outer shell and get to the grain or the fruit. L literally, that, that outer shell, it, it would be kind of like eating a, a walnut. You got to break that outer shell to get to the fruit. Well, that's what this had to do with him. And the threshing, they would use a, a shovel or a pitchfork. And part of the processing, they would throw it in the air. And once that shell was cracked, it would separate it. Just filling in some blanks here. We're going to hit that in just a minute. Matthew 3, verse 11. This is John the Baptist speaking, and he said, I indeed baptize you with water, water baptism, unto repentance. So when I get born again, I, I repent of my sin. I ask Jesus to come in my heart. One of the greatest things we can do is get water baptized. But... He who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. 
And so right here when you read this, not only does Jesus want to save you, he, he wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit. And, and when you see there that he, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire, fire does a couple things. Fire's a purifier. And it'll, it'll burn up all the impurities. But fire's also a destroyer. It'll burn up the junk. And so this is what John the Baptist is saying, verse 12. His winnowing fan is in his hand, the shovel or the pitchfork, and he will thoroughly clean, clear, purge out his threshing floor. And he will gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So when I read this right here, the, the Lord's idea is he wants to get to the, the stuff on the inside of us. The stuff that will matter eternally. And part of the way he's got to do, he's, he's got to crack that hard shell on the outside. And sometimes, man, it's really hard with some of us. But man, the things of God will be working in you. It'll soften your heart and everything. The message translation says in that verse, it says, he is going to clean house and make a clean sweep. Of our lives. Everything that is true, it'll be put into its proper place, and everything that's false, he will put out. So God is into separating. He's, he's into moving us out of that, that old hard shell. Man, he wants to get to the fruit of your heart. He wants to get to the eternal thanks. Now, with that thought, go with me back to, to the book of Ruth, chapter 3. Uh, where's Ruth? It's right before 1 Samuel. Samuel's, the, the Kings, the Chronicles. First Samuel, I mean Ruth chapter 3. So as we're turning there, I'm, I'm going to run you through some things just real quick. Ruth chapter 1. There was a man and a woman. His name was Elimelech. His wife was Naomi. They lived in Bethlehem. Bethlehem was known as the, the, the bread basket or the house of bread. There was great um, a famine in the land of, of Bethlehem. So this man named Elimelech, he says, let's go to Moab. Let's move to Moab. That wasn't a good idea. If you're not familiar with Moab or the Moabites, that was a people that were birthed out of a little incest action with a guy named Lot and his two daughters. Some crazy stuff in the Bible. That's some crazy stuff. You look like, golly. So they moved there. She has two boys. Malan and Chilean. They married two Moab women. Not long after that, Elimelech dies, and before long, the two sons, they die. Oh, happy day, huh? We moved to Moab, and everybody dies. So this woman named Naomi says, I got to move back to Bethlehem. The one daughter-in-law named Ruth says, I'm going with you. So when you think about all this that takes place, then in chapter 2, she says, I'm back in Bethlehem. I got to go to work. So remember, she goes to the field and starts gleaning. And in, in uh, Ruth chapter 2, on at least three occasions, you will see the word favor. Remember, she, she asked for favor, she prayed for favor, and she recognized favor. Remember the Lord Jesus in Luke 2, 51 and 52, it said he grew in favor and wisdom with men and God. So we see this with this woman. Now, for time's sake, let's go to chapter 3 and verse 1. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, 
My daughter, shall I not seek security for you that it may be well with you? So the word security here in the Hebrew is a word that means rest and protection in one's own home. So this was her prayer. She said, I want you to experience rest and protection in your own home. Verse 2, now Boaz, whose young women you were with, is he not our relative? Now, when I see this here that he's our relative, you've got to understand in Jewish culture, it was the obligation of the family member for the ones that suffered loss. These family members were, were supposed to redeem you. So what you see here is this guy named Boaz is a shadow of what Jesus does for us. He's, he's a redeemer, and he is divinely appointed to recover. You know, Jesus wants to recover everything for every one of us. Everything that's been stolen from you, he wants to recover that. So we keep reading. Is he not our relative? In fact, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Now again, this was the process of, of, of separating the, the, the wheat, the grain from the chaff. And, and the Lord wants to do that for every one of us. Every one of us are going to spend time at the threshing floor. That, that he loves us. He don't want to keep us the way you are. He says, man, I, I got big plans for you. I got big purpose for you. But, but I, I can't allow you to stay where you're at. So there's got to be some separation that's going on. And so literally, again, this threshing floor is where there's a purging of what's good and bad. And, and I highlight here, oftentimes, often, 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 prior to a breakthrough in your life, there will be a threshing floor experience. You might as well get ready. Why? Because anytime God starts this threshing and purging, he's always got a harvest in mind. And again, he's got to get us to a place in our life where we're ready for it. So right here, he goes on to say, he's at the winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Verse 3. Therefore, wash yourself. Could that symbolize what John the Baptist was talking about? Ooh, you got to be baptized in water. Wash yourself. And anoint yourself. And when you see the anointing in the Old Testament, it's always reference of the Holy Spirit. And put on your best garment. Put on the garment of praise. And go down to the threshing floor. Now, to go down to the threshing floor, this was an appointment with, with destiny. And to go to the threshing floor, this is an intimate time of prayer and worship before the Lord. So her mother-in-law, Naomi, says to her, you got to go to the threshing floor. This is where your breakthrough will take place. And so when you go here and you go to the threshing floor, it's a time in my life where I get on my knees. And I get on my knees before the Lord. My knees, when I'm on the floor... They're bent. This is what the word on your knees will mean. It's bent. And it symbolizes one of two things. It will symbolize right here my, my subjection, submission, or it will symbolize defeat. In this situation, she's saying, 
you got to get on your knees at the threshing floor. So I begin to look at this passage here, and it's amazing to me the examples it begins to, to use on what happens when people learn to get on their knees before Father God. Go with me to the book of Daniel, chapter 6. I'm going to be in Daniel 6 for a little bit, and then the book of Daniel, chapter 10. I remember, man, when I get on my knees, I'm submitting. And I'm submitting to you. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he's Lord. Daniel, chapter 6. And they say, where's Daniel? Oh, boy, you're going to get to Ezekiel and you'll come to Daniel 6. Let me highlight some things here in Daniel 6. There's an ungodly king named Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar decides, man, I, I need some Hebrew boys. He said, I need some Hebrew boys to come and work for me because he knew they would be men of character. So he gets these four Hebrew boys. One his name is Daniel. Another one's name is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Don't know your kids that, okay? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It wasn't my shack, your shack, or a bungalow. It was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm just being honorary a little bit, okay? And so what happens not long after that is that some of the people, they, they turn on three of the Hebrew boys. This is where they throw them in the, ferny, the fiery furnace, but they don't die. And this, this ungodly king looks in that fire and he says, I see four in there. I know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in there, but the fourth one looks like the son of God. This is in the Bible. Then we go to Daniel chapter 3. And this ungodly king, he makes this incredible statue. If you were to look in Daniel 3 verse 1, it, it describes this, this statue. And it says it's six cubits by six cubits. And so just in my study, I think, that's six cubits by this six cubits. It's got to mean something. Well, you know what it does mean? 666. It's a, it's a shadow of the Antichrist is what it was. So then we get to chapter 4 and 5 in there. And remember that the ungodly king, his, his guys, they don't like Daniel. So they get the king to sign this decree and says, if you, if you worship any other god or any other idol besides Nebuchadnezzar the king, we're going to throw you in the, ferny, the fiery furnace or the, the lion's den this go round. So we pick up Daniel 6, verse 10. Now, if, if you like to highlight your Bible, really highlight this verse, okay? Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, you worship any other by God, you're, you're going in the lines then. He knew. He went home and in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem. So you know what he does? He opens his, he opens his windows. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Daniel wasn't a closet Christian. He was loyal to God. He didn't care what everybody else or anybody else was doing. He was pretty much, I'm going to serve God. And so know what he does with his windows open. He knelt down on his knees. Do you know God's into knee mail? Not email, he's into knee mail. And he kneels down on his knees and three times that day and he prayed and gave thanks before God as was his custom since early days. So this guy at a young age, he began to realize something happens when I get on my knees and I pray and I give thanks and it said he did it three times a day. 
He became disciplined because he knew the significance that there's always going to be a breakthrough when I get down on my knees and I begin to pray. It's also a sign of of humility. Man, I bow before you. It was his custom since early days. Well, what would happen if we begin to live like this? Not, Not that I have to. But I want to. I, I want to call upon the Lord. And so guess what happens? You see a breakthrough. What was the breakthrough? He still got thrown in the lines then. But God protected him. God protected him. God will protect you. Daniel chapter 10. So now he's in a, he's in a critical time in his life. And he's needing some answers from God. How many of you ever needed some answers from God? Let's get a little more specific. How many of you need some answers from God right now? Daniel 10, verse 10. Suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble. This was an angel. Watch this. And it made me tremble on my knees and the palms of my hands. A position of battle. A position of warfare. A position of calling on God. So this is a guy who, remember, this was his custom since early days. So this is a guy who knows when the going gets tough, I get on my knees. I don't pick up the phone and call my best friend. I get on my knees. I don't go on Facebook and let everybody help me to get into a pity party. Woe is me. It's bad. No, he got on his knees. He's on his hands. He's in the position of humility. And it's like, I got to hear from you. And this angel said to me, oh, Daniel, man, greatly beloved. Now, how would you like to be recognized like that in heaven? That this angel looked at him and said, man, that's greatly beloved. And the reason I highlight that, because he says this twice to him. He says it again to him in verse 19. So this man was greatly beloved. This is a man who heaven was very aware of him. Why? This was his custom since early days. Man, something happens when I read that goes on to say, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright for I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand, how many of you need some understanding? From the first day you set your heart to understand, Lord, I want understanding. And he said, and to Humble yourself before God. Man, when I get in that position on my knees, I'm in a position of humbling. It's like, oh God, I got to hear from you. Remember again, when I raise my arms to heaven like this, this is my antennas. Oh, Father God, I got to get on your frequency. I got to call upon the Lord. I, I don't know what to do, but I know you do. 
to humble yourself before your God. Your words were heard. And I've come because of your words. But if I don't ever get on my knees and I don't ever pray and I don't call upon the Lord, this stuff doesn't happen. But understand what he said. I've come because of your words. I've come because of your prayers. I can paraphrase the rest. And he said, man, from the very first day you prayed, I heard you. But I was withheld by this stinking devil, this prince of Persia. And he withheld me. And so guess what? It shows me that oftentimes in our prayer times when we're on our knees, when things don't happen immediately, don't freak out. Don't start pulling your hair out. Stay with it. Don't give up on your prayers because there is a, a devil, there is a spirit realm that tries to oppose the things of God in your life. Don't quit. Oh, go with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 3. Last one. Ephesians 3. Ephesians 3. So I, I go back there into, into the roof. We're going to Ephesians 3. Mom-in-law said, Ruth, you got to get on your floor at the threshing place. You got to get to the threshing floor. You got to get to that place on the floor. Get on the floor. Get in the presence of God. Bow before Him. Ephesians 3, verse 14. For this reason, Ephesians 3 1, it starts with the same thing. For this reason. Do you got a reason? For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For this reason. The, the passage translation right here says, So I kneel humbly in awe. I kneel humbly in, in a, a, a fear of God. Every knee will bow and, and every tongue will confess. That's, that's Romans 14, 11. Every knee will bow. And I encourage you, begin to get to a place of humility. Get to a place where I'm going to get on my knees. And, and what happens? That separation begins to take place. And I'm going to give you a little sneak preview. Remember, I said oftentimes we go to that threshing floor before there's a breakthrough. Ruth experiences incredible breakthrough. It's not long after that that this guy Boaz marries her. You got to come back in the next few weeks to hear the rest of the story. She ultimately gets the breakthrough. The See, God's the God of breakthrough. God wants a breakthrough with us. He, he wants a blessing. So I'm going to ask you to stand up. Ooh, I got to watch my time. Why don't you stand up? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to... Just ask God to touch our hearts here tonight. Lord, let heaven come here tonight. And what I mean, I, I think the Lord wants to stir some of us up in here to say, I, I, just, don't, I just don't want to get on my knees. I, I just don't want to get in this just to be doing it. Father God, I want to connect with you. I, I, I want to know you, Lord. 
I, I, I want to know your, your voice. I want to know your love. I want to know your peace. I, I want to know you like the prophets. of I want to know you like Zephaniah and Obadiah. I want to know you like Jeremiah. I, I want to know you, Lord. And, and when I see this with Daniel, since his custom, since a young age, he got to a place where he recognized his father's voice. If my dad was on the other side of that door right now and called my name, I'd know it was him. You know what? I've heard that voice since I was this big. God wants to get us to a place where, man, we hear the Father's voice. But not only that, man, he hears our prayers. He hears our cries. And so let's, let's just pray here. Why don't you bow your head? If you feel comfortable, you can raise your hands. Man, if you want to bow, you can bow. It's a good thing. Father God, we, we stand before you right now. And Lord, if we are in a, a threshing floor place of our lives, we ask you to move. S soften our hearts. Lord, se separate that hard shell, that chaff from the, the heart, from the grain that's within us. Soften our hearts. But Lord, I ask right now in your house with your people, birth within us uh, the, the desire to pray. Now, not just to get on our knees, but to actually get on our knees and call out to you and welcome you and we get to a place where we fellowship with you. Father God, all over your house here, we welcome the God of breakthrough. Just with your hands raised here, you can say to God what the breakthrough is. Father God, I need a breakthrough. I need a breakthrough in my job. I, I, I need a breakthrough. I'm with my relationship with you. I, I need a breakthrough, Lord. You're the God of breakthrough. And we welcome you tonight. We welcome, move here, Lord. Move on a Wednesday night right here in this house. That, Lord, you're the God of miracles. You're the God that does signs and wonders. And we welcome that in here right now. We ask you to bless in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.